This week's parasha is Parashas Bahar. We find at the end of the parasha a discussion of a, an Eved, uh, a Jewish servant who had to sell himself to a guy. And the halacha is that if nothing happens, he goes free during Yavel. Once the Jubilee year comes, the Yavel year comes, then the Jewish slaves who were purchased by Goyim, they have to give them up and they are allowed to go home. But of course, it's not right to see our Jewish brethren enslaved to Goyim. So the Torah says that a person should be Goyal, the slave. And the Chishavim Kaneo Mishnasi Machar And depending on how many years there are left to Yevel, which is presumably how much the guy have, has paid for the slave, meaning if he has many, many years, let's say he buys in the year after Yevel, so he's got like 49 years on the lease of this servant, so then he probably paid a fortune for him. Then you would have to redeem him for a lot. And as you're getting closer to Yevel, obviously the lease gets a lot cheaper because there are less years remaining on it. And so then you would have to pay the guy considerably less. It would be prorated by how many years there are left to Yaivo. The Chavetz Chaim in his Sefer al brings out a remarkable Moser Haskell from this, from this Yisai that we find in the parasha. And that is that we know that we are all anxiously awaiting the Mashiach's arrival. And, you know, not only are we awaiting Mashiach's arrival, but our parents have been awaiting Mashiach's arrival, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, the Achreinim, the Rishainim were awaiting Mashiach's arrival. Many, many thousands of years, we've already been anticipating the arrival of Mashiach, and Mashiach has not come. And so the question that we might have as we're all like, you know, singing about Mashiach and dancing about Mashiach and insisting on Mashiach and having slogans about Mashiach is that why in the world should Mashiach come to us? I mean, we're a good generation and we do a lot of good things, but if you didn't come in the generation of the Vilna Gain and you didn't come in the generation of the Rambam, an income in the generation of Rav Sadragain. So why is he coming in our generation? What right? It's a little bit of like a chutzpah even for us to expect that now Mashiach is going to come. Why? Mashiach didn't come then. There were big tzaddikim back then. There were ga'inim. There were real ayde Hashem be'emes of Rasamim. Many, many countless yidin that were the purest of hearts and the greatest of minds and they didn't come Mashiach did not come. They were not able to bring Mashiach. So now in 2014, we expect that Mashiach is going to come because we daven for him. And the Chavetz Chaim explains so beautifully that we have the right to daven and to expect in spite of the fact that he didn't come then we could still very much expect him to come now and we could be the catalyst to bring Mashiach. And he says the reason is because just like the Geula of the Eved that we find in the parasha of this week, the closer you get to Yevel, the cheaper it gets to redeem him. Because after all, there is only a few minutes left or a few months left before Yevel. It gets very, very cheap because there's cannot no use left on this Eved, as far as the guy is concerned, he knows that come Yaival, this Eved is going free. The gula happens whether he likes it or not. So he's willing to, to, to redeem him for a lot cheaper. So too, says the Chavetz Chaim, we know that the gula is very close. The gula is imminent. Whether we deserve it or not, now we're at the Akhir Sayamim. We are in the Tzkufa that Chazal call Ikvisa de Mashiacha. These are the footsteps of Mashiach. Mashiach is on his way. 
Now there are two times that Mashiach could potentially come. The Gemara in Sanhedrin says, there's a Pasuk, Ani Hashem Ita Achishana. And the Gemara says, Zaycha Achishana. Loi Zaycha Ita. There is a set time that Mashiach will come regardless of whether we're Zaycha or not. There will be a Gehula at a set time. We don't know exactly when that set time is. But whenever there is that set time, Mashiach will come. We know for sure, by the way, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not going to keep this world as is more than 6,000 years. And we're already kimat there. We're in striking distance. We're already in 57, so we're about 230 some odd years away from the end of Mamish from the 6,000th year, which is Shabbos. Once we leave this period, we're already in the Tkufa of Shabbos. So, but Mistama, the actual Be'ita, is before that. We don't know when that is. There is also an opportunity of Achishana that we could speed up the Gula even before that time of Ita, the exact time. So, but everybody agrees that we are living right now in times that we're very close to the Yaival. We're very close to that jubilee year that we are going to have Mashiach come. And so it might be, says the Chavitz Chaim, that the previous generations, Reb Kiveger and the Rambam and the Rashba and the Ritva, they were not able to bring Mashiach for whatever reason, despite all of their efforts to do so, because it was too difficult to do that because they were too far away from the idol. It was very expensive back then to actually muster enough kayak to bring Mashiach because he's so far away from the actual set time of his arrival. But as we're getting closer and closer and closer to the idol, now we could get Mashiach for pennies on the dollar. It's much cheaper. And so even us, in our lowly state, would be able to be the people, to be the generation, to actually bring the Mashiach something that the previous generations were just simply not able to afford. So I want to speak a little bit today about Mashiach and about the Geula and exactly what's expected of us during these times. There's a Gemara in Shabbos we know that says that one of the questions that we're going to be asked when we come up to Shamayim, there's only a few questions, at least the major questions. There might be a Fahar within those questions, but in terms of the major banner questions, the Gemara says there's a few of them. One of them is Sipiso Yeshua. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to ask each and every one of us, did we eagerly anticipate the Yeshua? Were we honestly and sincerely awaiting the arrival of Mashiach or not? And the Rambam writes, in Hilchas Malachim, Parak Yud Aleph, Halacha Aleph, HaMelech HaMashiach Osid Lamoid Ulahachsir Malchus David Liyashna. Melech HaMashiach, who comes from David HaMelech, he is going to reinstitute the Malchus based David to its former glory. If you don't believe that, if there's a part of your brain that says, I don't believe in Mashiach, I like the Torah, I like Yiddish guy, but this thing about Mashiach, it doesn't wash well by me. It just doesn't, I don't like it. it doesn't, I don't really believe it. I... The Rambam puts these two things together. If either you don't believe it, or you believe it, but you're not really anxious for him to come, you're not awaiting his arrival with bated breath. You're not just denying, like some minor quote-unquote Navi. You know, maybe tucked away somewhere in Nach, you know, somebody speaks about Mashiach and Saab, I'm Kaifer in that Nevoah. No. Ella <coughs> You're actually being Kaifer in the Torah 
and in Meish Rabbeinu. These are not things that were, you know, inventions of later day Nevi'im. These were things that the Torah alludes to, and Meish Rabbeinu, and you're actually being kaifer and all of that. You're touching the most sensitive parts of the Ikri Hadas when you're even beginning to either deny Mashiach or not actively try to prepare for his arrival. And the Briskara points out that from the Rambam we see that it's not alone enough just to believe in Mashiach. I believe Mashiach is, 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 exists and I believe Mashiach is going to come. That's not enough. If a person just simply hears animaiman about Mashiach is just that I believe that he exists and that he's going to come, that's not enough. He, a person has to take it to the next level and actually anticipate his arrival. See, peacefully, Yeshua, you have to await it. Just like you await other things and you're eager and you're anxious. You know, we're standing in the Me'asira and the way the Chinuch puts it, like, so beautifully, like we're supposed to be so, like, uh, like we can't wait for Ma'an Taira to come. And that's why we count every day we're anticipating his arrival. The arrival of Ma'an Taira, and the same thing has to be, and maybe more so, when it comes to Mashiach, we're supposed to be counting down the days and the minutes till he comes. The Rambam writes in his famous Animamin that every day, but the Briskarov says, and he points out that in davening in the Bracha of Esemach David, we say more than that. We say, not only do we have to have like a daily, you know, anticipation of Mashiach, and if we have the minig to say, which is a great minig, if we have the time and, the, and we remember to say the animamins every day after davening, that remembrance of Mashiach's arrival is not alone enough. All day, says the Briskarov, we have to really eagerly anticipate Mashiach's arrival. It has to be something that like animates us and that we are hopeful for constantly. And we're not Mashiach Das from Rav Schwab's brother Rav Shimon Schwab had a brother a very famous brother by the name of Mordechai Schwab who was the Mashiach in Mansi and in Yeshiva in Mansi and I think it's a, it was in Arshraga if I'm not mistaken and he used to the Schwabs used to know the Chavetz Chaim they visited him and so Mordechai Schwab used to say how the Chavetz Chaim used to spend his whole life really, really, you know, awaiting Mashiach. And he used to always talk about the Amuna in his, in his arrival. And he used to actually be very practical with it. I mean, I don't know if we calculate into any, into any situation, any equation that we're making when Mashiach comes. I don't know if people are like, you know, necessarily make a cheshman that I'm not going to, you know, build an extension on my house and I'm not going to redo that bathroom because what's the point? Mashiach is about to come. People don't think that way, unfortunately. And people, you know, tend to build big houses and huge shuls and, you know, all types of things in America and all over the world in Gullus and, you know, without really properly, you know, thinking is this really you know, going to be a good idea if Mashiach's about to come. But that's the way we are. We live our life, you know, not assuming that Mashiach is not coming. And if he comes, okay, we'll deal with it. The Chavitz Chaim used to live with this concept of Mashiach being here at any minute practically. And the Chavitz Chaim, for example, somebody who lived in Radin and who needed to take a business trip to America for about five years to make Parnassa. So he asked the Chavetz Chaim, is it Kedai to go by himself, which is much easier, you know, you just have to buy one ticket across the water and, you know, just set yourself up and be busy with business all day and then bring back money. 
Or should he bring his whole family to America and completely like pick them up and you know go on a boat and settle in America for five years and then come back? It's a very big tircha. And the Chavetz Chaim looked him straight in the eye and says, of course you have to bring your family. He says, because Mashiach is about to come and he says, it's not a good idea for whatever reason to be split up from your family when Mashiach does come. We should all be together. And so absolutely you should take your wife and kids to America with you. It's amazing. He actually Paskin Eitzis HaLocha based on Mashiach. He assumed, we assume that Mashiach is not going to come. He has a chazak, he's not coming. And when he comes, you know, okay, then we'll, we'll have to make new arrangements. The Chavitz Chaim's arrangements were all made, pre-made, with a built-in assumption that Mashiach is here. He's not here, and we just have to work around that fact. That's real amuna. That's not, you know, talking the talk. It's really walking the walk. He lived a life, he used to... You know, he used to, and Rav Nassim Bachvogel also, they say, used to walk around with like a little suitcase with a special kapata in it for a Mashiach is going to come. It's madregas that people do things in order to really believe, in order to inspire themselves to this reality that Mashiach is about to come. <coughs> I remember when I was in ninth grade, it was 1983, I think it was, and don't, don't figure out how old I am, but it was 1983, and um, there was a lot of excitement, I remember, in my high school, because somebody pointed out that there's a Bir Halacha, and if you want to look it up, it is in Simantaf Chav Zayin. So he's talking about the, the yearly uh, calendar and the way the calendar was made, etc. And, uh, you know, and he's making cheshbenes based on, based on our built-in calendar. And then he writes as follows. He says, that, he says, and this is the calendar up until that year, Tavshin Mem Gimel, which is 1983. And we don't have to be afraid of I don't have to worry about making cheshbonos beyond that year. Because by that year, by Tavshin Mem Gimel, by 1983, Mashiach is going to be here already. When Mashiach comes, we're not going to need these calendars because we're going to be Makadish Laban We're going to have. Adim and Bestin and Sanhedrin, everything is going to be good again. And so therefore it's unnecessary for me to make calculations beyond 1983 because by then Mashiach is for sure going to be here. So we didn't think that the Chavetz Chaim was going to write such a thing, put such a thing in writing, and, and it wouldn't happen. So for sure, everybody, 1983, that was the year, at least you know, in certain circles, that people were very excited that Mashiach was going to come. Alas, he didn't come. And there have been other very, you know, big moments of excitement throughout Jewish history, other calculations. Daniel made a cheshpin and the Ramban made a cheshpin. And many people thought that after the Holocaust, Mashiach was going to come in any second. People thought that after the Six-Day War, where we saw Nisim and Eflois Galuyim, I mean, there were like open miracles. The, a lot of people attribute the whole Balchuva movement to the Six-Day War. Because people, you know, Jews, from Jews, and, and not from Jews, they all read the papers and they all saw the miraculous nature of what happened. I mean, you just have to read, you know, if you, if you just read anything about the Six-Day War, it was nothing short of the most miraculous open miracle that probably happened maybe since Kriyas Yamsuf. I mean, the fact that the Jewish state, this fledgling state, without all the sophisticated nuclear armaments that we have today, but they were very, you know, it's a a young state, we're only, it's only 66 years old today already. Now we're going back to 1967, who knows how old it was, maybe, you know, 30 years old, very, very young state, and, and attacked from all sides, 
by very powerful, mighty Arab countries that were all unified and coming from the north and from the south and from the west, east, everything. And for some way, somehow this, you know, the army was able, with great siyat dishmaya, to push back and to win and to be victorious and to take land, to be able to capture Yerushalayim, to be able to, you know, to pull, to push out in the West Bank and, the, and, and all over. It was an amazing nace. Tremendous miracle. And a lot of people wanted to be Chayzer B'tshuva because of that. And people thought that now is Mashiach. Mashiach is coming now. 1967, it was such a banner year for the Jewish people. People thought, okay, this is just Mamish paving the way for Mashiach. But there are many times that Klai Yisrael maybe should have had Mashiach. And maybe for some reason, you know, all of those people that made those calculations were not wrong they were right in their calculations, but for whatever reason, Klai Yisrael were not zeicha to Mashiach's arrival because we weren't interested enough to have him come. You know, the Chavetz Chaim writes in his Sefer, Al-Atayra Parshas V'Aschanan, it's brought down really on the bottom of the bottom of that sefer. It's called Meisel Melech. They bring stories about the Chavetz Chaim, and he says a remarkable thing. He says the Jewish people probably don't really want Mashiach. You know, there's a joke that it's a bad joke, but it was a joke that used to be said about how there was a husband, like a you know a little farmer, a very simple Jew, and he came home one night from Meirev, and he looked very depressed and very nervous. And so his wife asked him, you know, honey, what's wrong? He says, no, nothing. Something's on my mind. She says, what, what, tell me what's on your mind. Share. So he says, all right, you know, I went to Mincha, and between Mincha and Meirev, the rabbi gave a shear. And it got me very depressed. The shear got you depressed? Well, what could be so bad about a shear? Well, you know, the rabbi was speaking about Mashiach and how Mashiach is going to come and we're all going to go to Eretz Yisrael. And he says, like, he says, here we have our farm. Everything is nice. We have our cow. We have our, you know, little Parnassa going. He says, I, you know, I know this life. He said, I'm afraid uh, Mashiach is going to come. Now we're going to have to go to Israel. I don't know. I don't have a farm there. I don't have a cow there. I don't know what I'm going to make Parnassa from. I'm nervous. What's going to be when Mashiach comes? So she says, you know what? says, us Jewish people, you know, we went through the Crusades, and we survived. We went through Tachvetat, and we survived. We went through the Spanish Inquisition, we survived. We'll survive Mashiach also. Some will, we'll make it through that scoop also. That's how people have like a concept of Mashiach. It's a scary thing in a way. You know, somebody once told me about Mashiach, says, I'm frightened for Mashiach. He says, now... You're able to walk the streets and like you feel like, you know, I'm a little bit of a tamachacham, I know this, I know that, I, you know, I, I, I learn, you know, that. He says there's going to be like, after Mashiach comes, you're going to have like the Rambam walking on the street, you're going to have Kibeger walking on the street, you're going to have uh, the Vilna Gain on one block, the Chazla. You're going to be like ducking and hiding wherever you see like, there are like people that are like real tamachacham, you're going to be nothing. People have a misconception about Mashiach that, you know, it's going to be times that are going to be terrible for us and we're not going to be able to know what, what to do with ourselves, what, what's going to be with our careers. I worked so hard to, you know, go to, to, to make it through college and to go, you know, to this graduate school. That, what the, I don't know what's going to be when Mashiach comes with all that. I have a nice business here. I have a nice yeshiva there. I have a nice, you know, uh, what's going to be? I don't know. People don't like the unknown. So people, even though we do lip service and we say Animamins and Mashiach and rah, 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 at the end of the day, everybody's very nervous. A lot of people are nervous about what's going to be when Mashiach comes. The, the Chavetz Chaim says that there's a story about the Beis HaLevi. The Beis HaLevi for a while lived in, in Warsaw, in Poland. And a delegation once came. He was known to be, you know, one of the G'dayle Adar, tremendous Tamil Chacham, a tremendous Paisek, a tremendous Darshner. 
and the people of the city of Brisk, which was a very, you know, pretty large-sized community, as far as communities went back then, they sent the delegation to the Beis Halevi's house, to Rabbi Yisrael Daiv Halevi Salavechik, and asked him, you know, to be their Rav, we're looking for a new Rav, and we think you would be amazing, and please, you know, they came with, like, the star the star of Rabbanus, they wanted to right away, you know, put the crown on his head of the, being the Rav of Brisk. It reminds me when I, after the fall of the, of the Soviet Empire, there was a period, it was in the 90s, um, and, um, and, you know, they were looking for, like, people, Yeshiva Bachrim, to go to the former Soviet Union, all those countries, you know, in, in, Lithu- in, in Lithuania and in, in Russia and in, in, you know, Ukraine and all these countries that were part of the Soviet bloc, where the curtain was now, you know, the Iron Curtain was gone, and they needed people who were mamish, like, you know, very, very interested in Yiddishkeit, and there were Jews that were always, like, interested. They didn't have anyone teach them, so they were, like, asking Yeshiva Bachrim to go and, you know, go there and teach and, you know, go there, Pesach, give Sarim there and, you know, do whatever. And there were, like, communities that were asking for Abonim. So I was actually offered to be the Rav of Brisk. There's a city in Brisk with, like, a few Russians there that they wanted to... I was really considering, I wanted to be the Brisker Rav. You know, it would be a great opportunity. It would be very good for my resume. It probably sold some more sarm for me. You know, and I thought it would be a really good thing. And me and my parents didn't let me, but I could have been. I came this close to being the Brisker Rav. <laughs> and, but the Beis Lady also had that same opportunity. They came to him and they asked him, would you like to be the Brisker Rav? Brisk was always, by the way, a very chashur city. Even before the Salvatrix came, there were always it was a city. There was Shaina, there was a city. Brisk is a very, very well-known, you know, very well-known city. A very prominent position. And he turned them down. And then what happened was that um, they sent Shalayach Anashim Gedailim the Taivim, like they sent another delegation, more Chashim of Alabatim, to go and to try to, you know, plead with the Beis Halevi to be the Rav of Brisk. And he said no. And then one of these Balabatim was smart, and he says that the Beis Halevi should know that there are 30,000 Yidden in Brisk that are waiting for your arrival. You shouldn't think it's like a small thing that you just like can, can you know, like just like, you know, completely blow us off. There are 30,000 Jews that are waiting for you to be the Rav of Brisk. As soon as the Beis Halevi heard this, he says, okay, if there are 30,000 Jews that are waiting for me to come, then how can I say no? And he packed his bags and he told his wife, come, we're going to Brisk. And that was the beginning of the legacy of the dynasty of the Soledatchiks in Brisk. And the Chavetz Chaim used to say over this story and cry because he says that the Beis Halevi could not refuse 30,000 Jews wanting him as their Rav and pleading with them to, with him to come. He says then Kama he says, I don't believe that Mashiach would not do the same. If the Baisalini was convinced that thirty thousand people are waiting and I have to come, then if there would be thirty thousand Jews in the world that were really honestly and eagerly waiting Mashiach's arrival, Mashiach would come for sure, says the Chavetz Chaim. And the sad conclusion that he was forced to make was that there must not be 30,000 Jews, regardless of the fact that there are millions of Jews in the world, but there are probably not 30,000 Jews that are really, really interested in Mashiach coming. Everyone for their own reason, the farmer for his reason, and the Rashiva for his reason, and, and everyone in between for their own unique reasons. But 30,000 Jews, which is not really a lot in the big picture, are not even, we don't even have that many Jews really being because if we would, for sure he would come, says the Chavetz Chaim.
Rupam brings in a sefer, Atar Lamelech, also from the Chavetz Chaim, that one of the telltale signs of Mashiach is about to come. And that it's the time of Mashiach, it's Ikvis of Mashiach. Is that you see, if a person would go into, let's say you don't know what day of the week it is, and you go to, let's say, Machina Yehuda in Eretz Yisrael. It's, I normally go to Geula to do my shopping on Erev Shabbos. But this year I went with somebody, he took me to Machina Yehuda. It was the first time I was ever in Machina Yehuda on an Erev Shabbos. And it's so, like, beautiful to see everyone, like, a, you know, in Geula you just primarily see Bnei Taira, you know, doing their shopping. But in Machina Yehuda you get to see, like, a, a much broader swath of Eretz Yisrael population. You see Chilonim, and you see Mizrachimiks, and, and you see you know, Charedim and Chasidim all converging in this shuk on Erev Shabbos. And everybody's buying, and the, the Meichem are, are screaming that they're selling different things, and beautiful you know, selection of I don't like it, but like halava, like, you know, they have like a hundred different types of halava. I can't eat this stuff. I can't even look at it. But, you know, there are people that obviously like it and they're selling all types of, you know, flavors of this stuff. And then pickle guy and a, and a wine guy and a cheese guy. And it's amazing. During the week, it's not that busy. But Arab Shabbos, you know, there's thousands of people and they're running and they're going and they're doing and they're bags and they're shopping and they're paying. Because Arab Shabbos, things speed up. A lot of things happen quicker Arab Shabbos. It's a time of hustle bustle. And the Chavetz Chaim used to say that that's the biggest proof that we're living now in the time of Mashiach. says because technology is speeding up so fast, society is speeding up so fast, things that used to take days and weeks you could do in a, in a minute. In the olden days, I mean, when I say the old days, I mean when I was a kid. You know, there were, in order to type a paper, if I wanted to type a letter, my father had a, like an IBM typewriter, it was already cutting edge, and it was an electric typewriter with like a built-in, you know, eraser. But like to get a letter perfect, it took like 10, like there was a garbage pan that was like full of paper, because you can never, you can't edit it, you can't, you know, it has to be perfect, and if it's not perfect, you have to just crumple it up, throw it in the garbage, and put another piece of paper in. Today, you go in, you know, you have a computer, a word processor, Microsoft Word, you type it up, you make a mistake, you, you know, you delete this and that, you cut and paste and you do it, you got a perfect document. In a minute, you could do what took hours in the olden days. You have washing machines, you have dryers, no people like hanging up things on a clothespin anymore, everything is done right away. There are people that are buying and selling commodities and eBay and everything is happening quickly person who, who has a smartphone in his pocket has more power than, you know, than, than, than all of the computers that it took to put the Apollo 13 on the moon. In his pocket he has it. There is such a fast, you know, we have a Talmud this week who had, a, who had surgery. And the surgery, of, I was talking about my salvation about it, he says, in the, he, you know, when, when he was a kid, that surgery... You know, a person would have to spend a week in the hospital and then a, at least a week recuperating. And this bacher, he went in at night and, and by the next morning they do, a, they do it laparoscopically. They don't cut open anything. They just put, make a few little incisions. They do everything by remote control, by video games. And then they pull out the wires and the guy's done. He's going to chakras the next morning. It's amazing. Open heart surgery used to be, you know, you take a, you take a saw, you cut open the guy's chest, you op- break open some bones, and you, you know, you metapple in there, and then, you know, the guy has to recover for like a half a year from that, and he has to have a, a scar on his chest the rest of his life. Today, again, they put, like, they, they drill a little hole into the side, they fix it, you know, the next day, he's back at Mincha. It's amazing. All of this technology that we see speeding up, and the world is so fast, Everything is happening in such a flurry of activity and such a, you know, like a burst of, of brilliance. This is a raya, says the Chavetz Chaim. And a lot of these were obviously not there at the time of the Chavetz Chaim. The Chavetz Chaim already was living at the, at the cusp of a lot of this. It really, I mean, the Industrial Revolution started this, but it, it started already speeding up at the time of the Chavetz Chaim. There were great advances already in, in many things, many technologies. 
And now, the more you see hustle, bustle, you should know that you're closer to Shabbos. And the Shabbos of the Yom Shekula Shabbos is mamish up, up. It's here. The Chavitz Chaim used to say that the Pasuk at the end of Malachi used the Lashon of Sholeach Lochem he doesn't say, I will send you, I am sending him, meaning it's a Lashon which means that the Mashiach is Mamash here already, I continuously send him, he's behind the door, he's here, it's not like, okay, he's gonna, you know, first we have to do what we have to do, and then he's gonna start only, you know, getting dressed, and getting his donkey ready, and getting everything ready, he's here, it's just a matter of us wanting him to come, and then he'll be here, it's shayleach. It's a constant. He's coming. He's here. It's just a matter of us really accepting him and wanting him. The Rapam adds that in his opinion, he says that the UN. Why did there, you know, this, this crazy organization called the UN, you know, they have a beautiful building on, on the west side of Manhattan, on the east side of Manhattan, and it does absolutely nothing. It, it serves no purpose. All it is, is a very big building full of, like, a lot of foreigners who get a lot of, like, privileges in terms of parking throughout the city. And, you know, I would love to have, like, those diplomatic places that these guys have. I mean, you could park wherever you want. They pay no parking tickets. You know, they get really, it really look, it looks cool. It makes the car look a lot more impressive if you have those plates. And, you know, what do they do all day? They do nothing. All they do is one thing. They keep making, like, machais against Eretz Yisrael. That's all. That's all they do. They, they're not, there's people getting shechted in every single tribal country in Africa. And, you know, and, 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 and you know, and, and the Chinese and the, and the Japanese and the Tibet and all that. That's, that, that they're not gyrus, any of that. I mean, there's atrocities throughout the world, but if, if Chas Shalom, an Israeli soldier, like, pokes somebody by accident in the eye and he happens to be an Arab, they're making a condemnation. Everyone has to call a big meeting and there's going to be a big macha against Israel. That's the only purpose that the UN serves, really. Sir Pam says, I think that the reason why the UN was created was because the Gemara Navai Dezara says, you know, all the Gayim are going to, you know, Taina, we did this for, for Tyra and we did that for Tyra. And so now we have a very clear record of all of the, you know, this, this, the, all these tzaddikim and the Umay Sa'ilam who are going to come claim to the Rabbanish on, you know, we really love the Jews and look at what we did. Okay, we have an exact record. Let's take out the UN thing. And I don't even know if they keep records. There's no purpose. But like, you know, but if they would have records of their votes and everything, it would all be, okay, you were against Israel, you were for Israel. We want to know exactly who is who. Miva miyahochem. Because all of this is very important as we're making all these calculations before Mashiach comes. We have to get exactly documented who is the good Goyim and who are the bad Goyim. Which are Medinas Bayomer? Like who is the, who are the Medinas that had Chesed for the Eden? Like America, like England, like a few other countries in the world. And the vast majority had nothing but Sinah and animosity towards towards the Yidin, and that's going to be duly recorded when Mashiach comes. That's what Rapam says. Just in terms of, you know, practically speaking, how could it be that there would be a candidate for Mashiach. Like, I know that that's a very, you know, hot-button issue. Like, who's Mashiach going to be? And I think a lot of the reason why, why some of us are very, you know, put off by this whole topic of Mashiach is because it became such a politically charged, you know, thing. Like, you know, this Hasidus holds that the Rebbe is Mashiach, and, you know, we're anti them, or we're this and that. So, like, it's like such a, it's like a hot-button issue. We don't, it's either, it's easier just, like, to avoid this whole, you know, this whole thing about Mashiach, it's too complicated. I don't even want to talk about it. So, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenei says, well, Maisa, practically speaking, who is going to be Mashiach? I mean, it's also like, it's, it's not somebody that, it's somebody that's alive, 
and we know most of the people that are alive and the candidates, and like you're wondering, like, who could it be? Who could be Mashiach? Like, you know, practically speaking, if that's on your mind, you know, Hasidim are only going to want a Hasidish Mashiach. And Misnagdim are only going to want a Litvisha Mashiach. And Svaradim are only going to want a Svaradish Mashiach. And Ashkenazim are only going to want so. How is it practically going to happen? They're going to have Mashiach, and everybody's going to be able to somehow, you know, accept him as being Mashiach. It's so hard to see that happening. It's a lot easier seeing everything else but that. That's like the one sticking point. So Yaakov Kamenetsky says so beautifully. He says, you find by Esther, by Esther it says, that Esther Amalka was a person that everybody found in their eyes to her. And the Gemara says that which means that every nation of all the people, all the nations of the world saw Esther as being their own. Because remember, she didn't tell who she was. She didn't tell from where she was from. So nobody knew. She was like a, a blank canvas that anyone could like project their own personal heritage towards. And everybody that saw her, a Persian thought that she was Persian, an American thought she was American, and the French thought she was French. And that, says Rabbi Yaakov, is exactly how it's going to be when Mashiach comes. There's going to be one person, hard to imagine, there's going to be one unifying person that whoever, every Machina and Klayasha are going to look at and find acceptable. Not only acceptable, they're going to think that that person is part of them. The Hasidim are going to look at him and think he's Hasidish, and the Ashkenazim are going to think he's Ashkenazim, the Yekish are going to think he's Yekish, and the Misnagdim, Misnagdim, and, and, and Svardim, Svardim, Temanim, Temanim. There's going to be some person that has everything. He has a little yid in every, in, of every single part of Kla Yisrael in him. And that's what he's going to look like. These are exciting times that we're living in. There's clearly something going on. The Gedeon have been telling us for a very long time. I just saw today, this morning, I think, or yesterday, a quote from Reb Chaim Kanievsky. And Reb Chaim Kanievsky said that Mashiach is mamish by the door. He said he used to be by the door. Now he's already in the hallway. He's beyond, he's already like in the, not the front, not, he's not outside the house. He's in the house, in the hallway, and he's about to come. Now I know we might like, you know, I heard that before and I got excited before and I know. I was excited in 1983 already about this and it's a very, and it's, it's not fair to build up people's, you know, excitement only to have a dash, but we have to know for ourselves that Mashiach is imminently arriving. Whether we're ready for it or not, the Navi speaks about this. The Navi Malachi says, he says, Upisayim Yavai He's going to come right away before you know it. Immediately he's going to come. It's not like we're going to get a big notice and, you know, okay, in a year from now I'm going to come. Elian Navi is going to come and, then the ne- and tell us about Mashiach coming and then Mashiach is going to come the very next day. The Chavitz Chaim writes in the Hashama to a few farm. I saw it in his son-in-law, Sefer, his son-in-law wrote a sefer called Avedas HaKarbanis, which is a major sefer, like a, like a kitzer shulchana for how to bring karbanis. And the Chavitz Chaim writes in the to that sefer, he brings his pasuk, he says, you have to know these halachas. He says, because Mashiach is going to come immediately. It's not going to be, okay, you know, he'll come, and then we'll have time to, like, prepare, and we'll learn the halachas, and we'll get into it, and No. You have to know those halachas if you're a kayin, or he says if you're a levi, you have to know the halachas that pertain to you today. Because you're not going to have time tomorrow. If you're a kayin, you're going to be, and it's your mishmar, you've got to come right away, you're going to be summoned, you're going to come, you're going to get a text message, it's your turn, come to your shalayim, and you're going to be expected to know how to bring karbanis. The levim are going to be expected to know how to sing, and how to be mashayar, and how to do their, their Avaidah. And you have to be prepared. That's why the Chavetz Chaim, he spoke about it last week, he put his money where his mouth was and he, he started a Kachim Kailo in Radin. Rebbe Khanan as, you know, as a young man, learned there and, and the Panavich Rav learned there and many other rising 
Sars and Klai Yisrael learned there. The Chavetz Chaim insisted that we have Paiskim, we have Gedoyim that understand the Avaidan that know Kachim well. Because he believed that he was coming. That that master, Mashiach, who we're waiting for, that we're anticipating, he's going to come and he's going to come right away. Without any warning, we're going to get a whiplash when Mashiach comes, he's going to come so quickly. It's in a second. Before you know it, the entire world order is going to change and we're going to have no warning beforehand. I saw something very interesting. I don't, again, I don't know what to do with all these things, but I guess if it helps us being Mitzapel Yeshua, it's worth even you know, creating a little bit of, of, of excitement about it. On Purim of this year, so Ramesha Sternbach, who we all know, he's the, the Maid Muzmanim and the Tam Badas, and he, he has, we have his Shal Sechuvasvarim, a tremendous guy, and one of the one of the great Gedalim in Eretz Yisrael today. So he let his secret out on Purim. He is a descendant of the Vilna Gaim. He writes it all the time. They're all sorry. He always quotes, you know, whenever he quotes the Vilna Gaim, he always quotes him as, you know, Mary Zikni. And he says like this, even, this is what Rav Sternbach says, even though I am careful not to share the mysteries, I feel that this is something I am permitted to reveal. This was something that that he heard directly from those who heard it from the mouth of the Vilna Gain, who said shortly before his passing, when you hear that the Russians have invaded Crimea, if any one of you has not gotten out, enough this man, which is a good thing. Um, the Russians in, the, the Russians invaded Crimea. Crimea is like a little peninsula, right? It's like part of the Ukraine. But it was like sort of maybe contested for a long time. There are a lot of Russians that live there and, and Putin, who's the head of Russia, just invaded and tapped the whole this whole piece of real estate. Very prime property and he just took it. So when you hear that the Russians have invaded Crimea, you will know that the bells of redemption have begun to ring. This is a Kabbalah that he had from the Vilna Gaim, who was Nifter in 1797. And when you hear that the Russians have reached Constantinople, which is Istanbul, Turkey, as it is called today, you can already put on Shabbos clothing and await for the appearance of Mashiach. So, I don't know, like, we'll see, we have to wait and see what happens, but, you know, they are predicting that Russia is going to go into Ukraine now, and then after Ukraine, you know, he has a very big appetite for, you know, for retaking a lot of the old uh, real estate that the, that the old great Russian empire controlled, and we'll see what happens. But this is what the Vilna Gain said, this is what Meister Sternbach said on Purim, from a reliable source, he was Megala's site on Purim, that when you hear that Russia is going to invade Crimea, says the bells of the Gula have begun to ring. And when you hear that they're up to Turkey, when they hit Turkey, the Russians, then Mashiach is going to be. And I don't know. Again, I'm not an Avi. I don't want to at all, you know, this is, I'm just throwing this out there. I don't know what's going to be. I don't know what to do with these types of snippets of information. But Kuliyama Leipligi, all the G'daylam, basically are saying, and they've been saying it for a long time now, that we are living in times of the imminent arrival of Mashiach. And we're close to the Yavil as can be. And it's very possible that we are the generation that could bring Mashiach, even though the great generations of old could not. Because then it was too far away from the Geula, and it was too, the Chishavim Kaineo, the the, the Cheshmu was just too much. They weren't able to come up with a capital to bring the Geula for the Abdus. But we can, says the Chavetz Chaim. Even though our generation is nowhere in compar- as great in comparison to the, of the, pre- the past, but it's so close to the Geula, it's so close to the Be'ita, that we could cause the Achishanah. 
We can't be afraid of Mashiach's arrival. HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised us that when Mashiach comes, it's going to be wonderful times. And I know there's discussion in the Gemara exactly of what the period of Mashiach will look like, whether it will look the same as it is today with certain you know, differences or whether it's going to be a completely new world order and exactly how, what's the difference between Yemais Mashiach and Achis Hayam and Ayolam Haba and Tchiyas and all that. As I think the Briskarov once says, about all these concepts, about how to understand what will be Tishbi Atarat's Kushus of When Eliyah Navi comes and Mashiach comes, we'll get the answers to exactly how it's all going to un- unravel itself. But one thing is clear that when Mashiach comes, it's going to be a time of Kemayim Layam Machasim. We're going to be able to learn Taira as Taira was meant to be learned. We're going to have tremendous opportunities in terms of Ruchnius. It's going to be times that Akhenesh Baruch has promised Klai Yisrael for so long, and it promises to be an amazing period. And it's up to us to be misfollowed. All we can do is dab, do the right thing and daven. And daven that all the tsara should stop because Mashiach is going to come. Whenever you have a tsara, whatever it is, if it's a real tsara, if it's a perceived tsara, if it's a major tsara, try to shtelzu Mashiach into that tsara. Try to, you know, bring Mashiach into your tefillah. And say, when you're crying for a ge'ula from the tzara, that we need already the ultimate ge'ula. Because we know that all tzaras in Klai Yisrael are really based on the fact that we don't have the ge'ula. If we were to have the ge'ula, then none of these tzaras would be happening. If Mashiach would be here, we wouldn't have all the tzaras that we have. The reasons why we have the tzaras is only because the ge'ula is not here. The ge'ula will be the answer to all of our problems. And try to be misfollowed for that. All of us, myself included. I'm talking to me. We have to be excited for Mashiach. As we're excited for Shabbos to come, as we anticipate with bated breath the Shabbos' arrival, because we know that there's a, that's Menucha, and it's a time that we could relax and kick back from this world. That's what the real Shabbos is going to be like. It's going to be a wonderful time. We have to be excited. We have to hurry and anticipate the Gula Shleiman Shabib Mehra Biyameno Amen Ba Amen.